go. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right. Last sip. Cheers. Cheers, bud. Mm-hmm. So what do you do in real time? You cue the music in real time or mm-hmm. you add it later? I cue it in real time. And then I add it later going out. So this is all warts and all. Like, have people said something where you have had to edit it? Um, just once. You know, what was interesting is uh, I was talking to a cat in uh, Florida doing the Skype, and a teacher came in. He was in his classroom. And his teacher came in, and, uh, and she didn't realize what we were doing. Yeah. And he said, "Hey, I'm talking to Hal Bowman. Remember from teacher? I'd, I'd been to their, I went to their oh, school goes, thing. Oh my God! No, she said, no, she was, <laughs> she said, oh, well, yeah, I remember him. Hey, cool. Hey, and she waved to me and I went, hey. And then they got to talking about. She said, can I just interrupt for one thing? Like we're doing an interview, right? And she, she had to tell him something. And so the content of what they were speaking about was very funny. But they did have to call me the next day. He was like, bro, is there any way can you edit that out? I was like, yeah. It was it was funny, but it was it, it was uh yeah, it was just it was funny. And yeah, but it was definitely it would have it would have could have rustled some feathers if somebody took it the wrong way. Mm. But um yep. but there's other parts I, I edited it out too because she said, Hey, I need you to work with my knucklehead son. And I didn't know <laughs> like I think that's funny, but I don't know if anybody else would thought of it funny, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, so dude, you are here in Houston, Rich Redmond here in Houston, and uh you left Nashville at what time? Oh, God. 8 p.m. last night. 8 p.m. And so here's what I know about you guys. You guys, because you are, what, you're about 22. You're on a tour bus. You guys stopped by, picked up some strippers, and <laughs> uh, and stayed up all night, and drugs, and all kinds of stuff. Oh, you know that's not true. No, I've been on your tour bus. Let me tell you what I saw on the tour bus. I saw a bunch of middle-aged men wearing pajamas, <laughs> eating <laughs> eating carrot sticks, and Co- playing video games. Cocoa jammies, man. Cocoa jammies. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, uh, yeah, man, you guys do it like a man. You got you guys are old now. That hurts, middle aged. Yeah, yeah. You're halfway. I'm halfway to the grave, dude. <laughs> you know what? But I feel 18, man. You know, because you got to do what you love, man. Let me tell you what I just saw. I saw you limping down the hallway. You don't. You, <laughs> you don't feel like you're 18. No yeah, way, brother. You would never know that tonight. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> no. All right. So you guys, you guys came into Houston because you are playing. Um, we're gonna get into your whole story, but for, for tonight you're playing here at the Houston Rodeo, and a lot of people. You know, we have thousands of people across the nation download this thing, and most of them aren't gonna know what that is. So in Houston, we do this thing. And it's once a year. It lasts about a month. I think three weeks or a month. It's the rodeo. And it's it's like livestock show. And people, they walk around with like pigs on leashes and and goats or something. It's it's a big livestock show. Probably the biggest in the nation, if uh-huh. not the world. And they do it at Reliance Stadium, which is like, you know, a giant enormous dome. It seats like, I don't know, like eighty or 90,000 people. Right. And, uh, and uh, they always have great entertainment from all genres of music, you know, rock, pop, uh, mm-hmm. R and B, right. and uh, country. You know, and so you're here, and you have a you guys are playing a little. Uh, you have a little country ensemble, and uh, you guys do a little country thing. Well, that you, you guys call it country. I wouldn't call it country. <laughs> and um, and so you play with Jason Aldean, and you'll be in town tonight and doing the Houston Rodeo thing. And so let me just because I've I've never been. I think I'm in high school. My parents took me, and um, but so what it is, you guys come out and I'm like this flying saucer. And you put it right in the middle of the dirt, mm-hmm. and and the stage spins, right? Does it turn? The stage spins, and there's there's lights and pyro, and it's cra- It's a big gig. I mean, it's not a wedding gig, which you know. No, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so in that stadium, how many people will uh, be there? 
we had the attendance record that was just broken by, Dem- by, by let me tell you something it was broken Mars. it was demolished oh i know well, well you know what we haven't got the numbers from tonight hopefully we will have a you know hey if we've played for five people at the bar right you know so if seventy five thousand people come to the show we are happy we are 75,000 people. I know it's going to be a sea of faces and I get to play the drums, which what I this is what I've been doing since I was 7 years old and, right. and we were part of that. I mean, I have secrets on you. Do, yeah. some, do yeah. some of your listeners know that you and I marched a snare drum? Yes, side by side, baby. Side by side. Da, 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 da. In, in the heat and in the freezing snow standing in the on, snow standing on the 50 yard line going what are we doing <laughs> it's 25 years it's been 25 years since yeah, it was 1988 since we met each other that's 25 isn't it it was 1988 dude we it were in college yeah yeah all right man let's talk about it we're gonna get to everything you ready ready teach you a rock star this is the official podcast my friend i'm gonna kick it off and we'll get this thing rolling teach like a rock star absolutely and we are rolling ready for this part get ready yes teaching a rock star official podcast we have the amazing the talented the vivacious Rich Redmond in the house today. And we are going to talk about all things music business. We're going to talk about dreams. We're going to talk about lifestyle. We're going to talk about education, commitment. We're going to talk about what it takes to, to, to realize, to help our students realize all those goals and how we set the help our kids and model what it looks like to set goals for our kids. Man, this guy, this guy really is living the dream. And this is this is one of those people that that um, you know, Rich, when he was eight years old, sitting in his bedroom with his Kiss albums and his drumsticks and his practice pad, he had this vision, and that vision he had is what his life is today. And so we're going to talk about all that came, all that came in in that process, that recipe, and all the ingredients involved in that recipe to make all that happen, and some of those people that supported him along the way, parents. Uh, teachers, band directors, and uh, mentors, and 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 all those folks. So, Rich, brother, welcome, man. Glad you're on the hey, show. Pal. How are you? I'm gonna shake it. It's out. Always good to shake your hand. Yeah, <laughs> twenty five years, my man. I know we're giving away secrets, man. Yeah, this is. Uh, and so, look at you. I see you some gray coming out in your hair. I got gray coming out in my beard. You're not supposed to know that. See, my wife just colored my hair, uh-huh. you know, but she's, it's, it comes right through on the sides. Yeah, there, there it is. It's a telltale sign. It is. But that's just good for the lights on stage. Really, really picks it up. Pop. Yeah, it makes it pop. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so brother, you are in town. You have a little show tonight here at the at the Reliant, uh, what's, it, what's it called? The Reliant, Reliant Stadium, Stadium, Houston, in, Texas. Yeah, and uh, playing with Jason Aldean and the boys, and on the Flying Saucer right there in the middle of the dirt field. Yep. And 75,000 of your closest friends are coming out tonight. And I tell you, you know, it was right there. For those, uh, for those of you in Houston, Rich and I picked him up there at Kirby and McNee. And we were coming down Kirby, heading for the 610 South Loop and standing <laughs> right there at the corner. There's a little family. And I bet, and, and there's the daughters with them. They're going to the, ro- the rodeo, you know, it's spring break. So kids are out of school. And she's probably, what, what would you say, 16, 15, 16? Yeah. And she looks in my car window and she gets her, her, her glitter 
her fingernail points right there, and I can see her say, "Oh my God, that's Rich Redmond." <laughs> Famous baby. That's funny, man. I know. You're, you're, you're. But, but I mean, people know you. I mean, I'm sure that stuff happens all the time. You know, it's great to be the guy behind the guy. You know, I've made a living for. Uh, you know, I guess I went. What's the definition of going pro? Like when you start making money playing your instrument? I think I think, I think making a living. Making a living, yeah. So I was, um, let's see, it was probably like 1993 or so. I started making good enough money to be able to pay all the bills. Yeah. Um, and it's been yeah, it's been a crazy ride, man. That but that, but that was my goal was to um, was to sustain myself, you know, because the music business is a tough one, man. As most people would gather it's highly competitive and most people would do it for free yeah, like yeah. and uh the music business has really changed in the last 10 years it's even tougher most musicians do do it for free yeah or or at a loss i would say most i think do it at a loss i would say 0.01 percent of the people that play a musical instrument get to do it every single day yeah so um gratitude a lot of gratitude there and you know we were talking earlier i think um I think that's where teachers can come in and really drive home that message to younger people and no age is too young where you could start telling kids, look at whatever you want to do with your life, you can do. You just have to have a vision for yourself and follow through on that every day with, by being persistent and working on whatever makes you happy every single day. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that, bro, yeah. because you started out and um, you signed up for beginner band. That's where it starts. I know. Yeah. And um, and and did you did you pick the drums right from the right from the get go? Totally. You know, I was I was living in uh, Milford, Connecticut. I'm originally from New England, and uh -huh. so so there it starts early fourth grade, right? You, well, you know, it was this was pre band. This was uh, you know I was just kind of beating on, hitting everything in sight, a mm. lot of restless energy. And my dad, I think my dad always wanted to be a drummer. He was kind of a closet drummer, and he said, "Hey, do you want to?" play drums and i said yeah so he took me down to milford the milford percussion and guitar workshop which is you know one of these little corner offices with two teachers a drum teacher and a guitar teacher and i got my little blue sparkle snare drum and the, yeah. my teacher jack Berge said hey you know you have a lot of uh you have a, some affinity for this you have some natural talent and we started doing all the normal stuff so by the time my dad got a job transfer and we moved to el paso texas in 1981 and I signed up for the band in, in uh, fifth grade. I was already a, a little bit ahead because I, yeah, sure. I, I knew some of the basics. And then I just kept building on that. Yeah. And so and so when you moved to El Paso, we, you fed into what high school? That was Hank's High School. Hank's uh, High School. Hank's High School, yeah. I'm not familiar with that. I knew about Coronado and the other ones. And well, there's Hank's and there's Eastwood. That was the big rivalry. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, it... it I'm sure that they have more money now, but we didn't have a lot of money back then. I mean, we had those, you know, Slingerland 15-inch snare drums with yeah, the leg with the, with the sling. With the nylon strap. Come Slingerland for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, and so and so you you came in at fifth grade, and so you're a little bit ahead. And so when I started playing, I was in New Jersey, and I too had the Blue Sparkle drum kit, my yeah. parent set of Paramounts, and. Um, and uh, and uh, I was just starting fourth grade was was beginning band fourth and fifth, and. Um, and so, so you move in down in fifth grade, and and then you go to junior high. And at what point did it become like a real serious thing, like a focus of your life? 
I remember the turning point. There was, you remember the VJs on MTV? You had Martha Quinn, uh-huh. you had J.J. Jackson. Right, and the blonde guy, what was his name? There was Mark uh, Mark The curly Goodwin, head guy, right? And there, there was Nina Blackwood. Right. And then who was the blonde guy? Uh, they, these guys are still on VH1 Classic, I believe. They've uh-huh. had to go to a station, and they call it Classic. <laughs> but this was the turning point, was MTV. And I think there was two acts. There was Van Halen's record, 1984, and then there mm-hmm. was the band The Police, who came out with a groundbreaking record called Synchronicity. Yeah. And then I knew, I knew to myself, I had caught the bug. I had the bug, and I said to myself, this is what's happening. This is, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That's interesting, those two drummers, because they're so, so different. Stylistically different, yeah. And you know, Alex Van Halen is kind of an underrated drummer. He I always kind it, of yeah. was in the spotlight. He was in the shadow of his brother, mm-hmm. Eddie. And then you had um, Stuart Copeland, who was always in the shadow of Sting, but both kind of uh, very um, eclectic styles. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and for, me, for me, I think Stuart Copeland, he was, he was more, he had more of like a technician you know, a lot of that hi-hat work. and Yeah, and know. he was an army brat, so mm-hmm. he was always traveling the world and soaking up musical influences. Isn't it true, like, his dad was, uh, like, started, like, the in, went to Australia to start, like, the whatever their version of the CIA or something like that. Oh, yeah. Something like that. And his that. brother's a big uh, music mogul, like a manager. Oh, yeah. His brother got into the money side of the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, speaking of Van Halen, I just heard a, a recent interview with David Lee Roth. Get this, man. He said they they were talking about how um, they feel like they really made, they didn't have the big money period because they came before the big money period of music and there's big money and then there's no money. And so they came from, he said, like right now on royalties, if somebody buys a record, he gets on, on some of the albums, on the first few albums, he gets six cents and the next few albums, he gets eight cents. The sixth sense, yeah. Six cents, isn't that six six pennies? That's what it's what you makes. It's it's tough, man. You know, there was, definitely was a golden age of music, but technology has changed to the point where, uh, you know, there's just I don't know how we'd turn it around, but the younger generation just feels like music is a commodity and and it's just it should be free, and they don't always think about the the hours or a commitment of a lifetime that it takes to actually develop musical talent and then the sweat and blood and tears that goes into making something that they can just download as a few bits and bytes to their handheld device. Yeah. You know, and so I don't know if it'll ever turn around. So that's why the new music model for making a living in the music business is, is multitasking. It's like why I do so many different things that are kind of under my umbrella. It all relates to drumming It all relates to music, all relates to passion, but uh, you really have to multitask. Oh, for sure. And, and and we're going to get to all that. But before we do, I want to talk to you, like, as you move into junior high, cause, and then high school, things are going to really get serious, especially here in Texas. That's where music really starts um, because we have a lot of contests and solo and ensemble, and we have all region and all state and all that yeah. stuff. Would and, you say it's the best state in in the United States for, I would say, for music education? I would say, you know, man, that's a tough thing because since I did it for so long, and I w- I'm a product of it. However, on the flip side, here's here's what I see a lot of. I see a lot of amazing programs with hundreds of kids in band. And and I'll, t- and I'll tell you what I see. I see um, 90 freshmen sh- every year. Mm-hmm. And I see 27 seniors. Oh, so they're dropping out because we're burning of, them out, bro. Because of the because of the high because we're putting the demands, the planets on the marching field. And we're, you know what I mean? We're doing <laughs> yeah. these works, yeah. And and yeah, we're burning them out because of the demands. And the and if you want to compete at that level, and, and I remember, I'm not saying perform at that level. I'm saying if you want to compete 
musically at that level, like with these bands. I mean, everybody's taking a private lesson. There's sectionals Tuesdays and Thursdays. There's band till from three to six, and you know what I mean. I remember being up at five a.m. and out the door, and then you're on the field before the sun rose. Yep. And you were practicing, and then at lunch I practiced, and then after school. There was the personal practice I had to do, and of course the drum section. You know, the drum section was always rehearsing. Yeah. It was a major, major, major commitment, and I maybe that's why. I mean, I was a pretty good kid, but I like never had time to get into trouble, you know. And um, it gave me an outlet for my creativity and um, my determination. You know, it, it helped me. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, man. You know, I always tell parents, they say, what's the key? You know, they, well, there is no key, but one of the big ones is get your kid involved. Find, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Art club, chess, debate, get them acting, off the video football, games, man. band, whatever. Find them something they can get and be a part of and commit to and learn. And for me, you know, whether it's athletics or band or, or acting, whatever, just yeah. great vehicles for so many things that they're just not going to learn sitting in the math class, which I need. They, you know, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, they need the content, but they also need so much, so much other things and parting part of being a team and part of, and, and persevering and, and perfecting something Teamwork. and the commitment and all yeah. that goes into it. So in high school, you, uh, did you did you did you participate in all that competitive stuff solo and ensemble and all region band and did it yeah and I did I did every trying to get a one on your solo yeah and, I did all the you know I think I was in the Texas all state band like two years in a row my junior and senior year for for what for drum set it or? was uh, for all state concert band concert band yeah which is really great because I tell my you know I tell my young drummer friends I say you know there really is you really can benefit from playing in an orchestra and learning classical music. Uh, and then you can apply all those techniques to playing rock and roll or funk or jazz music or even country music, you yeah. know? So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it was, it was great. I definitely learned about time management and setting goals and being persistent and, and, and all those things in, in high school. And that set me up for college. And my dad was, my dad was the type of guy that was like, there was never a doubt. It was just like, that was the love. That was the expectation when you're going to college. Yeah. Right. And I was like, well, what am I going to? gonna major in music you know and right. which is which that's is what uh, you love that's what i love that's yeah. what you do yeah and so yeah i tell you what man that brings up a point because we, we, we on this podcast it, it seems like it comes up every time is like this challenge of kids to go to school because if you think about it like you and i grew up in homes where there's no there's no talk about whether or not you're going to college it's not even a discussion you go yeah you don't. It's a matter of when, and well, not when, but where. Where are you going? That's the only question. Yeah. And so, and if and if you think about, it, if you don't have that, if no one's talking to you about college, can you imagine the monumental undertaking we take for some kid with no parental support coming from El Paso, Texas, who loves drums? And let's say you didn't have your parents; just had a different set of parents. Yeah. That didn't talk to you about drumming, didn't talk to you about music, and following what you love, and going to school, and learning, bettering yourself. They didn't or goals, nothing. And what this monumental task to i mean how, how do you even sign up how do you even enroll or apply or how do you do any of that you know what i mean and i think we really underestimate how this this uh, an obstacle going to college almost really is for most kids not for you because you you were it was it's beyond being told what to, you're expected it's like breathing <laughs> you know what i mean right. you don't get a choice about that you go to college yeah and you and your counselors figured it you knew and your parents and your teacher you know what i mean it's not that way for most kids. So I think sometimes we really underestimate how much support they really do need from their educators in a classroom because it's it's up to us as that classroom teacher to be the parent and serve as that role that they don't have at home. Fill in the gaps, yeah. definitely. And uh, I was so 
fortunate. Starting, I'm sure earlier, I can't remember that far back, but I remember specifically in fifth grade, I had a an amazing gentleman, um, Mr. Whitehead. Man, he was a British chap, ex-military guy, and he living in El Paso. He, I don't know how he ended up there, but well, there was Fort Bliss was there, uh-huh. um, and he expected so much from us he pushed us and it also it created a lot of problems actually with a lot of the the parents because they're like you're pushing our children too hard we had the school newspaper and we i mean we were expected to perform and we were reading material way beyond our years he was pushing and pushing and that that helped uh create a greater sense of what is expected right um and then i just had great teachers in high school great band directors people that um they 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 did what they preached, you yeah. know. They they taught by example, and they were very encouraging before school, at lunch, after school. You know, being a part of your life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, man. And so uh, and so you you had it all in high school in terms of support, and and but but even beyond that, you know, I think. Um, you know, you, you I mean, you're the kind of guy that you you were born with whatever that in your. DNA, man, wrapped up in your double helix of like, of wanting to be better. And like, and, and, and it, it, I think it's part because one, you're passionate about music and passionate about percussion, but also just passionate about becoming better, you know, and being great at something. And so when you couple that with a supporting environment and great teachers, yeah. And you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a win-win. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How do you reach the kids though? See, cause I've, I have some experience as a classroom teacher. When I went to Nashville, for the first five years when I was filling in the gaps with, um, with uh, trying to, you know, chase that music, music dream, I did some substitute teaching yeah. and I got to be right on the front lines. How do you reach the kids that aren't passionate about <laughs> anything? Maybe that's in the trenches. <laughs> I mean, that's deep. And you know, God forbid one of the teachers wouldn't like leave a lesson plan. And right. then, and then you're like going to the other teachers and I'm like, what am I doing today? Uh-huh. Are we watching like PBS videos all day long? <laughs> what are we doing? Right, right. Yeah, but how do you reach the kids who don't seem to be passionate about anything? Yeah, that's a good question, man. And in here's here's what I always, you know, this is, you know, I got to tell you, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not great at a lot of stuff. There's a few things I'm great at, and one, it, one tiny little thing, but makes for me is this huge impact for for my kids that I've had over the years, is um is I'm just absolutely relentless in terms of trying to make a difference in that kid's life. And you know what they do? They roll their eyes and they kick the door and they throw their pencil and storm out and give me the finger or whatever. <laughs> you know what? Doesn't, doesn't even, not even 1% of me, not one little cell of mine is affected in any way. And they come back and I shake their hand, high five, hug them at the door. Wow, man, so glad you came back. Come on in, man. And, and I'm just relentless every day, every, because here's the thing. I believe the kid's passionate about something. They either not telling you or they don't want to admit it, right. or maybe they're right on the edge of figuring it out. But so, uh, so in just terms of support and love and acceptance and showing that kid and, and showing them what it looks like to be appreciative of what they have in life right now. You know what I mean? So every day, just relentless. And eventually you break them. Here's the thing. <laughs> Maybe not, but you know what? Maybe down the wall, the line. I don't care. Maybe down the way. Because here, here's, here's the way I look at it. Man, I'm glad you brought this up. Man, I used to have this game uh, when I was growing up, and it was, I, found, I, think, I think it was called like Break the Camel's Back or something like that. And what it was was a camel, it was, and it had wheels on the feet. And between the two humps, 
Oh man, I wish I could come up with that. I know there's a name for that camel with the two humps. I wish I get what's it called? Oh, it'll come to me. And um, there's this basket would hang right, and you have to take these straw and put straw in the basket, and then and 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 there was a hinge right right there that you couldn't see because the and the and the camel would go like this right, and we get and the feet would get further apart and further apart and further apart, and then like the person who drops the last straw in, the thing would you know totally crack, you know what I mean, and fall apart. And so here's the thing. When I'm working with kids, like those kinds of kids, where I don't feel like or see any evidence of me getting in and working, what I'm thinking, I'm just putting straw in the basket, man. I'm putting more straw and more straw and more straw. And eventually, it might be three years from now, five years, somebody's going to say something to that kid, and the kid's going to crack, and he's going to realize, oh my gosh, that's what it is. You're investing. Exactly. And here's the thing. That's why I'm relentless, because I know maybe they said one tiny thing. But if it wasn't for me putting all that straw in there for nine months of that kid's life, that one thing would have never happened. It wouldn't have done it. It would just been one more piece of straw. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who set it all up. I'm convinced of it. I've seen it happen too many times. And I think teachers need to be more tough love and more realistic and spell it out for the kids and say when they can actually relate to it and say, look, it, unless you hit the books and straighten up and show up and start doing the right thing, this is what your life is going to look like. Yeah, and show them where they're going to be because there's a big difference between living in the Hollywood Hills and panhandling down on Sunset Boulevard and it's only like a th- quarter of a mile that separates those things, right? So really it's it's the, the sum of their actions that's going to determine where they're going to be. Absolutely. And it's such a short distance between the two things mm-hmm. but such a major quality in lifestyle. Huge, huge. Massive. And so you're in high school, you're doing your thing, you go to college, and that's where we meet. And I remember you show up, and I think the first day we met, you show up, and it was like, you know, we're on the marching field, and they also have, right, we're, we're doing jazz band auditions. And I remember being um, out there with my little snare drum, and I transferred in, so I was brand new. You were first year, I was you're third from, year. Uh, Stephen F. Austin? And I transferred from, it was called Southwest Texas State Southwest Texas at the State. time. Yeah. And anyway, I transferred. And so the buzz gets around the drum line. You know, there's like 30 of us sitting ridiculous out there. And um, that, oh my God, did you, have you heard about this kid? He's everyone's talking to me. He's an audition, man. He just played drums. Oh my God, you should hear him play. It's just, I mean, like the buzz yeah. was going around. And then, and then it was like, it, it, they were saying, "Oh my God! It's like, it's like this kid. It, it, it seems like he's just been stuck in his bedroom playing, playing along with records, jazz records, since he was eight. And then, and it was true. <laughs> you were. <right? laughs> That's funny. I was in my bedroom. Yeah. There's nothing to do in El Paso. No, you're 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 practicing and playing drums with with some of the best bands in the nation, along with with, with your headphones in your bedroom. Yeah. And so you show up and take the thing by storm because you're probably the best drummer in terms of um, at that time drum set and everything." That had ever come through there easily. I mean, there's some there's some great drummers that have come through. I don't know about that. I just know that uh, you know our teacher yeah. Alan Shin. He was very. Uh, um, I mean, Alan has been at Texas Tech thirty something years, I yeah. believe. Um, and uh, great track record and creating an awesome program and cranking out great uh, players and educators. And he just right. he saw something in me and was real supportive and and we basically just said, hey, you know, you can have a run of the place, play with all my records read all my books, I'll give you a practice room, and, and and it gave me a lot of opportunity that I may not have had if I had gone 
at that age to, to a North Texas or a Berkeley or a USC or something. So I got a lot of experience and, sure. and he created that opportunity for me. So. Yeah. And I think, well, you're also one of one of the guys that showed up there where a lot of people like me, you know, at one point in my life, I thought I was a musician. Like I thought I was a player, but then you hear like, you would see like Carrie Clear and Angela play mallets or you see like Laura, you know, play that whole concert thing she does. And I got it handed to me one night. I did a Mexican marimba gig with them with Carrie and I remember Angela. That. Yeah. And I was like playing the bass lines and some like the little tenor parts. Right. And they were just, cause they're both piano players, like yeah. really good piano players and they could read anything. And I just got it handed to me that night. They were like playing everything twice as fast as right. I was like, wow, can I just pass the chips, man? Right. <laughs> <laughs> have some more chips over here, please. Yeah, and so that, between them and you playing drum set, that's when you kind of you kind of like reality hits. Like, you know what? I'm just not going to be an NBA player. You know what I mean? I mean, they, I just I don't have whatever that make that physical and it's even beyond that. It's like an intellectual and also emotional and a spiritual and a, that recipe for music to be an actual player. I was a great educator, man. I could teach. I could teach. I could teach my stuff off man you did some teaching and then the of course the the event teach like a rock star i've seen it several yeah. times and folks let me just tell you you will laugh <laughs> you will cry <laughs> and you will have a great time and you will learn something i mean it is it really the inspiration for what i do you know some of my events you inspired that because yeah. i remember specifically you know uh i will tell anybody freely you said hey why don't you do something called crash and i was like Oh my God, that's brilliant. No, but I mean, it was really inspiring to see a Teach Like a Rockstar event. I mean, I was like crying. I was like, wow, yeah. this is heavy. It's good stuff, man. And teachers, it's real, it's real life. And I think, you know, people get caught up in the title of it. You know, and I know a lot of people, I know for a fact, like a lot of people don't come because it's called Teaching a Rockstar and they think it's like gimmicky. We're going to stand on chairs and play air guitar along or something. They don't really, but man, it's about, it's about real teaching, about real results, research-based, results-driven teaching that works for kids. And, um, and so, you know, really kind of, you know, so you do your thing, you're the performer, you know, on stage and you're still doing the drum thing. I do the performer on stage and, and my, my vehicle happens to be voice and me and mm -hmm. stories and, and the message and, and, six and the hours, message. Right? Yeah, man, it's six hours, bell to bell, baby. And um, all right, so so you're you're a tech man and you're doing your thing. You end up going to North Texas. You play in the famous, often infamous one o'clock uh, jazz band there, and yeah. you and you get on the road and you start seeing the world playing with the one o'clock. And then it's time to make a living. You graduate master's degree. You also did student teaching in there, if I remember right. Did I had you... a student teach at Lubbock High School where yeah. Buddy Holly went to high school, and also um natalie mains who was the lead singer in the dixie chicks ah. she was when i was teaching there and i was like 22 she was i think maybe a senior or something so it was uh -huh. like four years apart or something like that but i ended up playing in a very early version of the dixie chicks in R here in the in texas dallas really? fort worth area yeah and this was before they added natalie and when they nat when they added natalie man they took off yeah. Like a rocket. She's a little pistol. And then they know? hit the wall because of... Yeah. Yeah. Well, All right. Let <laughs> 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 yeah, I me mean, the rockets come down, brother. <laughs> yeah. And um, all right. So they had that meteoric rise and meteoric fall. And uh, so so you do your student teaching. You go to uh, uh, North Texas. You're doing the one o'clock thing. You're seeing the world, playing jazz. It's time to make a living. You're in Dallas. And you, at one point after graduation, you, you're gigging 28, 29 Days a month. Yeah, easy. Yeah. 
Well, you know, um, there's a lot of creative type, like musicians are creative types, so they have that one side of the brain going. And the downfall of a lot of musicians is they just, you know, it's the music business. Music and business don't necessarily go together, but if you want to work, I want to be behind the drums every day. So you have to fill in the gaps with being a good business person. You sure. have to let the world know you exist. You you have to advertise in your own way, which is like getting out, getting heard, being seen, crashing parties. And, uh, you know, at one point I could, I could still be in Dallas, Texas, you know, playing four nights a week in a top 40 band and playing in big bands and playing on McDonald's jingles and teaching and, and, and playing in a big super church on Sunday mornings. And that's what I was doing. I was doing everything that this, that, that musical scene could possibly support. Sure. And Texas has a great music culture. It really does. And I feel like the community Texans support music. It really is a special state. Um, but I just knew that I wanted to do a couple things. I wanted to travel the world on somebody else's dime, and I wanted to hear myself on the radio. And there was only three places in the world you can go to take, make that happen in the United States, New York, Los Angeles, or Nashville. And, and I ended up being pulled to Nashville by a series of events. Mm -hmm. And I've been there 16 years, and I'm yeah. still kicking and clawing and scratching and surviving. And so let's talk about that, because you decided to pack up your truck with your drums, your little black cat yep. and uh cha-cha cha -cha the cat cha -cha. and you head down uh head down the south to nashville you pull in and and overnight it really goes from overnight playing you could play in dallas any day any night of the week all all month long all year long making pretty good money and all of a sudden you show up in nashville and how many how many other drummers would you say are in that city trying to make a living well you know they call it a guitar town yeah so like everywhere you like in Los Angeles, anywhere you go, every, any waiter, any valet, is an actor. Sure. And in Nashville, you can go anywhere and shake the hand, and it is a songwriter or an artist wannabe that ne wants to be the next Garth Brooks, Jason Aldean. Right. And um, so that's your waiter. And so you know um, there was this big boom in the '90s, and everybody was moving to Nashville to chase that thing. When I moved there, it took a little bit of a plunge. Uh, but I waited it out. I waited it out. And, and my dad always said, Hey son, you know, cream rises. It's science, you know? So just show up every day, do your thing with a smile on your face. And it's kind of like the cockroach theory. You know how the cockroach after nuclear war, the cockroaches will say, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So I'll outlast anyone. Right. I'm just going to keep showing up with a smile <laughs> on my face. If somebody says, hey, what do you, you know, give me your number and I don't have a business card. I'll take a cocktail napkin and I'll write Rich, the happy drummer. And there's my cell phone number. And that is such a, I think, a big selling point for people because they would rather be around um, even somebody who's just good at what they do. Not great, yeah. but has a team spirit, has a good attitude. And I'll out attitude anybody and I'll outlast anybody. Yeah. You know, huge. Because that's the thing. Like, if you really think about musically, especially, um, and, and this is in no way an insult to drummers, or, but if you think about like a, a, a top 40 or a pop or the kind of this pop country thing that's going on, it's not the most talented drummers on the planet that can pull that off. But what it is, is somebody that, like you said, that has that attitude that's going to fit in chem like the whole chemistry and the vibe of those musicians in that studio or in that band who has the, who's built those relationships over time and they 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 need they want it more than anybody else 
And they, have, of course, have that skill level. That's there, and they're committed to it. They outlasted everybody. And those th- those things that 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 commitment, the relationships, that the attitude, the skill, the hunger, all that involved is what has really been that foundation for what you do today. In addition to the music. And what, by the way, I want to stop you right there. Here's what I want to challenge you to do: is to stop thinking about what you do as a music business or the music businessman, because I, I don't think that's what you are. You're more of a music entrepreneur, like. For the people that are right now like in your shoes and successfully creating this umbrella of companies and and vehicles for monetizing their that's what entrepreneurship really is. It's not really a business. You're like creating like you 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 eat what you kill. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and you're out there hunting it down yeah. and making it happen every day. That's more of an entrepreneur for me. Yeah. And I mean, it's a subtle difference, but I think it's a grand canyon of a distinction to make in terms of how you think about your business. And so that those those, those that that acronym, the crash, which reminded would you, by would you help me develop. You know, and the funny thing is, is that those aren't concepts where I said that I just was, we were, I was doing them. You were doing them. I think it's almost like a lifestyle or it's a philosophy for living. Yeah. And we just happen to attach commitment, relationships, attitude, skill, hunger to the crash acronym. And, um, it's really fun. Like it's catching on. People will come to events and they'll be like, wow, that's, that's easy to remember. And it really does have meaning and it's impacted me. And hopefully it's, you know, I get all ages and you know, at my events, you right. know, and it's great to see parents get something out of it or the grandparent or somebody that doesn't know anything about music. They can go, wow, I can go be a better teacher or a businessman or, a, you know, pastor or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know? it, it, these are, these are universal, fundamental foundation of life type ingredients that, you know, that, and, and, and what I love about it is, man, the, the evidence of it working is standing right before him on stage. You know, because because this is the most challenging business on the planet. Sure, there's been some lucky stories, but I'm talking mm-hmm. about for somebody who who comes from you know small, not small, but you know a relatively small town, just surviving remote, yeah. you know, in El Paso, it goes to college in Lubbock, you know, and 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 then you know go and and just and like you said, is there to outlast everybody, out attitude everybody, out relationship anybody, you know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 there's there's living proof in the most challenging business that there is on the planet to really make it. And there they are standing on stage as evidence of this, this philosophy for life works. So now your so your life today is sure. I mean, you do a lot of dates with Aldine around the nation and you know, that's kind of a you know, regular thing. But in addition to that, you also are producing and tell us about uh, Thompson square. Yeah, there's a wonderful husband and wife act called Thompson square. And they're probably on their fifth or sixth single we just finished producing their second record, but in 2011, they had the most played single on radio. It was called Are You Gonna Kiss Me or Not? And um, I have a, a production company. It's a, call, it's a full-service music production company with my best friends uh, that you'll also find in all, all the Aldean videos and on stage with us every night, Kurt Allison on guitar, Tully Kennedy on bass. And um, I have survived over three presidencies with these guys in my life you know so a lot of things have come and gone but our commitment to each other um we've used our friendship as a we mix business and pleasure you know and people say don't do that you know we're living proof that it does work if you choose your 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 running mates um smartly is that right teachers smartly (laughs) 
<laughs> you're looking at the wrong guy, brother. <laughs> if you're really careful about choosing who you spend all your time with, really, because you can judge a man by his friends, right? Yeah. So we uh, or, or 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 what I could tell my I used to tell my students, you 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 can see who you'll be in a few years by looking at who you hang out with. Yeah. There it's, you go. It's really true. And uh, we just decided that this is a definitely a, a philosophy that could work for any business, but we decided to tackle the music business together. Yes, we all have our own unique ventures that we, we do, but when we come together, it's called a rhythm section for you people out there that don't know much about the music, but it's basically we're the guys that, that create a foundation for the song and for the lyrics and for the storytelling, and without a strong foundation, you can't build a house. Yeah. So we were able to to create three times the opportunities because we had three individuals that were bonded together by what somebody like a Napoleon Hill would call a mastermind alliance. So you have the collective energy of three minds. And as we know, the mind is very powerful. You know, your, your thoughts actually become things. So you have to really be careful about what you think about, because sure. if you're thinking about negativity and, and doubt and fear, uh, that's exactly what you're going to get. But yep. if you work it, if you, if you're focused on gratitude and moving forward in life, as my friend Dom Famularo says, onward and upward, you know, if you're if you're focused on those things, that's what you're going to get. So, um, so yeah, we have a production company called New Voice Entertainment, and you know, we've produced about ten acts over the years. And Thompson Square is, and that's our kind of like our 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 shining example of yeah. what, what happens. The poster when, child for the yeah. yeah when everything comes together, and we have a, a a young lady named Lindsay L, who's this awesome you know, a beautiful, talented guitar slinger chick who's kind of have a product coming out. And our fourth partner, David Fanning, is just a wonderful artist. He's going to have a record coming out. He's good, bro. He's great. Yeah. So. We, and also, don't forget my boys. Parmalee. Yeah. You got the Parmalee boys are out there. They're on their second single. They have a song called uh, Carolina. I love that tune. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we just are just having a really, really great time mm -hmm. making music with each other. And you're making music. You're also doing some songwriting. You have a deal there. You're working on trying to put pump out songs. And every day in Nashville, when you're not on the road, you're playing in somebody's session. You're on a record. And if there, if you could guess, just try to take a guess on if you had to if you had to grab a number out of the air on how many record say how many songs you've played on. Ooh, songs is a better number. Yeah, how many of, songs? Yeah, because a lot of times you'll play. Because everybody will come to town, they'll come to Nashville with this dream of recording to physically manifesting their melodies or their songs. Yeah. And sometimes I'll end up with a, a truck driver, a 20-year career truck driver will call me and say, hey man, I got your number, da, 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 I got these 10 songs, I've been waiting my whole life to record them, can you put a band together? I want to, yes, I'll do that. <laughs> and sometimes you'll never, it won't see the light of day, but that person, you can change their life because now he has a little record that he can give to all his friends and yeah, family man. and his colleagues. So, um, you know, what we do sometimes on a typical day in Nashville, we do in a three-hour period, we can record five songs. So it's like it's like 35 minutes a song or 33 minutes a song or something like that. Yeah. Is that right, teachers? Just to add it up. Right. Um, and then so on a great day, you can do that three times. So you're 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 playing 15 songs a day. And I've been in Nashville 16 years. Now it doesn't happen every day, but we're talking thousands and thousands. What would you guess if you had to put a number? Take a guess. I don't know, man. Less than 10? Oh, but definitely over 10,000 songs. Over 10,000 songs. Easy. Oh yeah. And you know what? There's only there's <laughs> only there's only twelve notes on the piano, and there's only like ten songs that have ever been written, and we just kind of keep regurgitating uh -huh. those songs. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah, and so here's so here's my recommendation um, before we move on and uh, finish this thing up. Here's my recommendation to really understand Rich, and so I, this is what I always tell people. And um, the first video to watch is go to go, you have to you have to YouTube and search Rich and find the one, and I think it was on Vimeo actually maybe where where you re recorded a song for somebody oh yeah that's an amazing in fact my wife has shared that with some of her nia instructor friends because what they do is it's uh, i don't know if she's told, she's told you about this but what they do is um they do this choreography for this uh fitness dance type thing that they do and they they have a thing where they put it in co- with what they call bars which is essentially a sort of a creating measures and and moves Counts. what they're going to do right yeah, yeah. And they and it. It's I almost a, did a gig with her. Right, and and it looks very similar to how to to your shorthand, and so she sent that out to all these, and everybody is just blown away because it could because at the end you won't take this thing, and you got lucky. <laughs> I don't know after like ten thousand practices, you know. Um. So and it, so that, so that, so that's a great video. But here's the other thing I want I want people to do is to really understand this passion, um, that you bring to the table, and because it, you know you're. Your profession just happens to be music and playing the drums, but it doesn't matter what 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 anybody's profession is. But here's our recommended people, because I heard you say when you play, you're not playing for the those those ladies five deep in the front row. Those are the expensive tickets. Yeah, those are easy ones. You can you know you can put anybody up there and they're going to be happy. They're already true believers. But that dude that you talk about that came that his girlfriend drug him to that show. He didn't even care. Didn't even want to be there. And all you know, it cost him $85, <laughs> right? That's who I have to make a true believer. Yeah. And so you're playing for that one guy, you know, I mean, h- half a mile away, up there in the rafters, mm-hmm. two two rows from the back. You know, he's bumping his head on that steel girder thing oh, up God. there, you know, and so and to watch somebody play for that guy. And so here's what I tell people. Go find a Richard playing live and turn and turn the volume all the way down. Don't don't listen to it. Just watch, right. because you can see the expression and you can see the commitment that's involved in playing that piece of music on that night. And, and I'm sure you've played it probably 300 times already, but that's the first time he's going to hear it. So that's the first time you're playing it for him. So it renews this energy in you, and to see the sweat and the passion and the years since if for 30. Four years now, whatever it's been. Right. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, that you've been playing and trying and, and 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 perfecting this thing all goes into that performance for that guy. Well, yeah. it's an amazing thing to watch, and just so you have to turn off the music because because now you can really get acute with what you're seeing visually oh, and really a, think and process a cool it. Idea. Check it out, man. You should do it for yourself. I, well, you know what's really funny. You is might impress yourself. You don't. You never. You know, a moral of the story is no matter what your line of work is, never mail it in. You can't afford to ever mail it in because you're, you're cheating your customers, you're cheating your students, and that's the one time that somebody very influential, a gatekeeper, a decision maker, somebody that can make a difference in your life and and all the people in your life's that can make a difference. That person is going to witness you mailing it in, not giving a hundred percent. You know, and even if you have the flu and. And you, you know, the show must go on. It's show business, right? And life is, you know, Shakespeare says life is a stage. You know, all of life is a stage. Yeah. So, so I just try to never mail it in. Never. You know. 
No, man. And, you know, even I, you know, just teach garage rock thing. I've done over 300 of these now. And, uh, and I can tell you coming down the elevator, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll set up the room, get everything ready. I go up, you know, eat. 7.30 a.m. and I'm coming down the elevator and it's like 7.55 and it's coming down and things starts at 8. And I'm telling you, man, as the elevator comes down to that first floor, I, I mean, I can feel it welling up inside me. And and people see, you know, I'll get on the stage and I'll sweat and I'll cry and I'll do my thing and I'll get it in, in like, uh, yeah, it's this is number 343 times I've done this. You've but done you know it what? so many times. But you know what, man? So it still it. wells up. It's still I'm still moved because I know, like you said, these teachers are going to go back and they're going to stand before their, they, you know, they've accepted the honor and privilege of standing before their children every day in that classroom. And I want them to see what it looks like to absolutely commit every like every cell of me is consumed with that performance for those teachers. I want them to see because they're going to go back and share that with their kids who are now going to take it out in whatever they do in their lives. It's all kind of this paying it forward thing, which brings us here. Finally, let's wrap it up, man. Talk about this crash thing because this thing, you know, this is something we've talked about for years. And again, and, and, and now it's like an overnight success, but it's really not because we've, <laughs> we've worked on it for years, but you know how people yeah. think. Eight years. Ago. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, yeah, and uh, I remember the first time we talked about it, it was, it was in... Beaumont, past at Beaumont, maybe you came out to see us at the r racetrack. Was it like here or no? Was it like in Beaumont? Oh, like, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, we were. Ta I was saying, man, you know, I really want to get into doing educational events because right. I have something to say. You know, on my instrument, I want to share my experience with people. Oh. And you said, well, why don't do? Why don't you do something different instead of doing the ninety-minute drum solo? Any questions out the back door in a limo thing? And I said, that's a great idea. So you use uh, we use a. Um, as an acronym, as a springboard. And, 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 and now I've written about the article in modern drummer magazine, a bunch of online, uh, magazines and, um, people are recognizing it as just like a bonafide. Wow. Kind of like a, a rule for living that crosses. Right. Um, but it's fun because I talk about commitment. I show people what commitment looks like. And then I talk about relationships and I play, play to a song that people have heard on the radio and they can see what relationships actually look like physically manifested on my instrument. That's how, that's my vehicle for expression. Yeah. So it's really fun. I started doing some corporate things now. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of educational events, a lot of drum shops and guitar centers and mom and pop music stores and high schools. I'll do like high school assemblies. I love doing that because you can get, a, you can affect a large number of students at one time and I come running out and there's it's like Tony Robbins yeah. of the drums. Right. You know? <laughs> so I love it. It's really fun. Of course, I don't know about you, but as many, no matter how many times I do it, that first minute is always like tough. Is it? Well, you, I just, it just once I open my mouth and get that first little bit out, and then I realize, oh, we're going to have fun together. It's still just that first 60 seconds is nerve. How many times have you done it? You know, I need to count. How many, what would you guess? So uh, I'm usually good for about. 25 a year and i've been doing them since like the end of 06 uh -huh. so what is that a couple hundred uh, probably probably under your number yeah dude you had about 250 <laughs> <laughs> 250 it'll all feel good on the first minute <laughs> yeah maybe about 50 more to go but you know what the, we have to tell i just have to tell the teachers out there that are listening um never get down with the fact that i feel like teachers are underappreciated definitely underpaid but I just want to let you guys know that you have the most important job not on even the close. face of not even the close. planet. It's, I mean, here, right, here's what I always tell people. Right, just wrap your, wrap your head around this, just this one thing. It's the one profession 
that teaches all of the other professions. That's right. Oh my God. It's mind boggling. It starts there. Yeah. So not only is it an honor, but it's a massive responsibility. Huge. And you know, I, why do I remember Mr. Whitehead and why do I remember Mrs. Bourne and why do I remember Alan Shin? Why do, why do these three names, Henry Vega, Byron Mutnick, Ricky Malachi, uh, Jack Berg. I remember all these names because these were awesome teachers yeah. that impacted me. Great people. Yeah. So. And you know, I always say, you know, I mean, educate what's not me. Says so somebody else said it a lot smarter than me, but you know, it's not about passing along the content. You know, teaching is really about passing along who you are as a person. And that, and for some whatever reason, the kids attach the content to that as a part. Of, so it's so this kid's character is being changed simultaneously and really synergistically with with the content and what they're what, what we're put you know putting into the kid's noggin. Yeah, and that's why it lasts forever. So that's why those teachers, because they affected not just what you know and not just your skill level, but also who you are, your heart, like who you are in terms of your character. That's why it lasts forever, and that's why they're still in there. And you can and and like you can trigger those emotions of being in that classroom with that teacher, like just just by picturing that class, and you can see that teacher, you can see everything about them, and remember everything about it. It's a, it's an amazing thing. So now, man, you're you, so you're doing this crash course, and and here is um, here's what I love about it. I love it when you do it. I've seen it for uh, high school kids, and I love it because because well, you're like a star, and you come in and you talk about, and because of what you've accomplished in your life, it gives you credibility because you've done it. And you're living proof yeah. that if you live your life on these philosophies, here's here's what here's what's what's capable. Sky's the limit. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, Shoot for and, the stars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and I love it for musicians when on your musician approach because here's the thing, you're right. In in, in the in the typical music, um, you know, workshop, somebody whether it's guitar, bass, drums, whatever, somebody's going to come in and play a, an unbelievable amount of notes in unbelievable patterns that they, that you will never. They're just virtuoso in that way. But but that ain't gonna get you gig, brother. I, what do you do with that skill? Man? Right. Yeah. So that and so so what I love about it is it it's like it's the only workshop I've ever seen that brings real life. Here's really why people hire you. You know, I don't know when was the last time you heard that on the top forty record. Right. Casey Kasem wasn't like check out these scales. No. <laughs> you got to you got to know your scales. Obviously, you got to have the skill set. But what are you going to do to practically apply your knowledge and be able to do it? regularly right and here's the most exciting thing for me is how right now this crash course thing for you is um like it is uh, the the concepts are so universal and so applicable to everything so now you moved in this corporate world and corporations are hiring you to come in and you set up the drums and the lights and the screens and the and (laughs) and everything you got the backdrop and like and so these major you know fortune 500 really fortune 50 really corporations are hiring you to come in and talk to their executives and their salespeople and their and everybody about about these ideas of of being committed and the relationships and the there at and the attitude to bring to work every day and and not just work but their life and and their their personal level of skill and bettering themselves and be in the in the hunger and and man it's just so exciting to see somebody who's taken what they've done and is living proof and in the music in the music business as a music entrepreneur and now can help people apply that 
outside of um, outside of music and in their personal lives and in their corporate lives as well. Thanks, thanks, brother, man. Yeah, it's I beautiful, think, baby. I think everybody needs a little. If everybody does the same thing day in and day out, sometimes you can get a little downtrodden, and it's a little bit like uh, Groundhog Day. But so occasionally people need just to be sh- they need to be shaken up and just a little dose of motivation. And um, I just I just do that naturally. You know, I'm I'm the perfect shamwah guy. Man. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I love, I love, you know, I, I would do that. Yeah. You know, I, I tell you what, I've got that on my bucket list. A lot of people don't know this, but sometime before there was a guy I was in the Kroger shopping and there's a guy who's got, he's got a fancy slicer and dicer thing. And he's got the head thing, and he's got and he's got a little. And he's calling people over, You're giving away free samples. I thought, you know what? Before I'm done on this planet, I promise you, I'm going to do that. You know what? You'd be perfect. <laughs> I can't perfect. wait. You'd be the perfect pitch man, and that's and maybe that's why you and I have had these synergy. You know, it takes effort to keep in touch for 30 years. You know, I, mean, I don't keep in touch with a lot of people, nah. but I I think it comes from a lot of respect. I have massive respect for you and what you do, and I think you're changing lives and. Um, just loving you, brother. Oh, appreciate it, man. <laughs> Dude, I can't thank you enough. I know you're a busy cat. We're going to get you back to the uh, Reliance Stadium so you and the boys can get the... You don't do anything, man. You're going to go back and have a buffet. And what do you, what do you got? Well, they have pretty good catering there at Reliance Stadium. But, yeah. but when in Rome, that's my philosophy. Right. I'm in Texas. Got to get a taco, man. Gonna, yeah, <laughs> right. This this far south. It'd be, it'd be barbecue a little bit north of here. But this far south, it's taco, baby. I've taco had time. enough barbecue for five men's lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Redmond, everybody. Thanks, Check everyone. him out, man. I appreciate you, man. Go to richredmond.com. Great new website. You just updated it about six months ago, yeah. and it's fantastic. And you can see all that he has going on there with his production, on the road, his clinics for musicians, his crash course for students and, and corporations. And also check him out on YouTube. He's all over the internet, Twitter, Facebook. Become one of his 500,000 <laughs> closest, most intimate, personal Facebook friends. I will always respond to every message. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and man, I, I appreciate you so much. And, uh, yeah, dude, it's 25, 30 years. It's been, it's been thing. And, uh, dude, you're an amazing guy doing amazing Thank things you. for people on the planet. And I love you, brother. Appreciate you being love here. Love you. Teach like a rockstar.com. Thanks, All man. Right. <laughs> Out. Oh, it was easy, bro.